You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. I want to start this afternoon by uh, telling you a little bit about my opa. That's my paternal grandfather. He was uh, born in Germany, or what is now Germany, and uh, right around the, the turn of the 20th century, so around 1900. No one knows exactly when he was born. And he immigrated to the U.S. in the 20s, came through Ellis Island, and he made his way to Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, he drove a sausage truck there in Cleveland, Ohio. That was his job. And I didn't know him super well because he died when I was still around middle school age. Um, but uh, they're, you know, like with most grandparents, they're the, the stories that we remember and we tell about um, our family and the people we loved. And there's one story that my family remembers and, and tells with some regularity, and it was a time when he was in the hospital. I don't know if this was uh, right before he passed away or if it had to do with another illness or an accident, but a few of us were there gathered in the, uh, the hospital room, and my dad sneezed. And my dad, like many dads, sneezes really loudly, you know, so it was an enormous, ah-choo! And my opa at this point was an older man, and he didn't hear that well, and so he, he heard my dad sneeze, ah Chew. And he said, cashews? Cashew nuts? He thought my dad was offering a snack uh, there in the hotel room. And so whenever we're uh, sitting around and someone remembers that story, we tell it again. And the reason I share it with you today is because it, it illustrates a really important point. Hearing matters, doesn't it? Hearing matters, and hearing matters particularly in terms of what we do. Uh, What we hear determines what we will do. In the case of that hospital room, you either say bless you or you ask for a handful of nuts, right? If someone's passing out cashews. How you hear and what you hear affects what you do. And uh, here at City Church this summer, we've been talking about Jesus' life and his ministry, specifically from Luke's Gospel, chapters 7 through 9. And we've been talking a lot about who Jesus is on the basis of his teaching, on the basis of his action. In the last two weeks, we've turned a corner a little bit, and we've been focused more on the question of how do we respond to who Jesus is. And Uh, Last week, I introduced this topic a little bit, and the way that Jesus talks about response has everything to do with our hearing, because Jesus understood this same point, that how we hear and what we hear will affect what we do. So how we respond to Jesus is connected to what we are hearing about Jesus. I want you to keep that in mind as I read our scripture for today. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 16. And these words are printed in your worship guide. You're welcome to follow along there, or if you have a Bible with you, um, to read in your own Bible as I read these words for us. Here's what it says. Jesus is speaking initially. It says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. 
For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Uh, Father, we confess to you that we've heard a lot of voices over this past week. Voices of responsibility, voices of anxiety, voices of accusation. Maybe some voices of encouragement, voices of challenge. And in the midst of all of those voices, we are prone to miss your voice. And so we pray that here now in these next few minutes, we would hear the very voice of Jesus speaking his love to us, speaking your love to us, reminding us where we can find life and hope and grace in our time of need. Do that for us, we pray, through Jesus, your Son. Amen. Basically, today, I just want to explore a, a very simple question. It's the title of the sermon, How Do We Hear? How do we hear? And we're going to explore that question in two parts. And the first part is essentially just how does hearing, especially good hearing, work? Because I think that's what Jesus is explaining through these paragraphs that I read. How do you hear? What is good hearing? Well, it starts here in verse 16 in a little bit of a strange way because Jesus starts talking about hearing by talking about seeing. He says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar, puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that they who enter may see the light. Here Jesus is talking about a, a lamp that would have been made of clay, would have been filled with oil, and often it would have been hung on a stand so that it would provide light in a dark place, in a room or in a house or somewhere else. Think about those camping lanterns that sometimes you would stick on a table or uh, stick outside your tent in the midst of the dark night. Jesus is using what was a contemporary proverb. No one lights a lamp and covers over it. It makes perfect sense, right? That's a self-evident point. But he's using this proverb about seeing to make a point about hearing. And his point is simply this, that good hearing is seen. Good hearing leads to something that is visible. In other words, hearing properly will put, produce fruit in a person's light that is visible to others. Hearing becomes a light. 
We understand this point, don't we? It's, it's simply that I know you haven't been listening if I don't see anything in your life. Uh, we get this pretty instinctively, don't we? Let's say someone comes to you and they're uh, profusely apologizing. They say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But then they go and they do the exact same thing, right? We begin to wonder, did they actually hear? Because good hearing is made visible in a life. We can think of positive examples of this too, right? You tell a child or you tell a friend, uh, you teach them maybe how to do something in a proper way. It could have to do with a sport or it could have to do with cooking or uh, any sort of thing. And uh, then you come back and you see them doing, practicing that sport and they're doing it the right way and you say, oh, somebody's been listening, haven't they? Good hearing is seen. That's the point that Jesus is making here. And so it it shows us, it reinforces this point that we looked at last week, that our hearing always ought to lead to doing, to bearing fruit in our life. It's not enough just for words or ideas to uh, come into our brains. They must be translated into action. So Jesus, in making this simple point, is simply telling us what faith looks like. Because for Jesus, often he used this word hearing as a summary of what faith is. Those who hear, those who have faith. But what you and I have a tendency to do, we can have a tendency to take this word faith and truncate it. We can minimize it or we can diminish the importance of faith. Because sometimes when we hear faith, we think all it is is believing the right words that were spoken to me. And faith is not less than that, but faith is more than that. You see, faith always leads to fruitfulness in life, true faith. So uh, faith is both trust and it's obedience. The two go hand in hand. The way it's often put theologically is that we are saved by faith alone, but not a faith that is alone or a faith that remains alone. You see, uh, anyone, irrespective of their background, no matter what they've done or haven't done, they can hear the truth about Jesus and believe it and come to faith. There's no work that they must do ahead of time. And yet, as they hear the truth about Jesus, it will always produce visible light and fruit in their life. Good hearing, faith, is seen. That's Jesus' first point about what good hearing is like. But he goes on, and in the, the next verse, in verse 17, he's continuing with this illustration involving light, but he's talking about a different dimension of what light does. And so he's talking also about what another dimension of what good hearing looks like. Good hearing is seen in our lives, but good hearing is also searching our lives, and more specifically, our hearts. Good hearing, proper hearing, the hearing of faith, always leads to searching in your life. We could put it this way, that good hearing is seen, and good hearing makes you seen. It exposes, it reveals, it shows who you are, even the dark and shadowy corners of your heart that you work so hard to keep hidden from other people. And so he says in verse 17, nothing's hidden that will not be made manifest. 
it will become visible. And when we hear the truth about Jesus, when we hear it truly, when we allow it to permeate into our hearts, it has this effect on us. God's word, Jesus' word, will search out every corner of our heart. There can be a positive sense of this, can't there? When we hear Jesus' word, and that often comes from another person who is uh, embodying it for us, we will say something like, I've never felt so seen before. I had a conversation with this person, a patient, loving conversation, and I felt so seen, right? That's what uh, being heard can do. But there also can be negative or harder examples of it too, right? It's all the stuff in our lives that uh, as we're hearing Jesus, as we're hearing the truth, as we're allowing the light of the gospel to shine on us, that gets revealed too. Our anger, our impatience, our testiness, our jealousy, our envy, that comes out. That's what good hearing will do. Not only is good hearing seen, but good hearing is also searching of our hearts. I want to press on with this theme to show you in the next verse another thing that Jesus is revealing about our hearing. In the next verse, he says, Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Here Jesus is saying that good hearing is stewarding. What this means is that good hearing is connected to our stewardship. That's what Jesus is talking about in verse 18. He's saying, hey, if you have a little and you are faithful with that little, you will get more. That is how God's economy works. When you hear and do, Jesus is saying, then you will hear more. When you hear God's message of grace to you and respond to it, you bear fruit your ears will be open to hear more of God's grace. You will be faithful in more and more ways because you'll allow that grace to uh, search deeper parts of your heart and to bear fruit more fully in your life. Good hearing leads to good stewarding. Sometimes I think we, we miss this point. But your faithfulness to God's word opens you up both to more grace and to more faithfulness in the future. You ever, uh, you ever hear a song maybe on the radio or you're at a party or at someone else's house and you hear a song and you're like, I've never heard that song before. Legitimately, this is the first time I've ever heard that song. But then the next day you turn on the radio or you're watching TV and a song comes on and it's the same song. You begin to hear that same song everywhere. I think that's how it can be with the word of God's grace. That once our ears have been opened to hear it, suddenly we can see it in all sorts of, and hear it in all sorts of places. It's the way God's grace works. So start listening and start stewarding the word of God's grace. So good hearing is seeing, good hearing is searching, good hearing is stewarding. And lastly, what we learn is that good hearing is also securing. And I'm drawing this from that second paragraph where Jesus is talking about his mothers and his brothers. It's kind of a strange um, section. But in verse 21, it says this, Jesus answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. 
Now, I, I think we can hear this paragraph or read it and we can think, well, Jesus is kind of slamming his family here, right? He's dissing his mothers and his brothers his mother and his brothers who are standing outside while he's teaching. I want to turn it around a little bit. I want you instead to to not think about the message to his uh, mother and his brothers, but to the message to those who hear and do. Because what Jesus is saying is that when you hear and do, you become my family. You are so important to me. We have such intimacy that you are like my mother and my brothers. That's the point, I think. It's less about Jesus dissing his biological mother and brothers and more about him uh, inviting us into that intimate sort of relationship. Well, how? By hearing. Hear and do God's word and you are like my own family. And here's why I think that is securing, why I use that word securing. It gives us the security that we want. There is no greater security than being a part of God's family of Jesus himself, the Son of God, saying to you, you are my sister, you're my brother. When we hear and do properly, we receive that sort of security. That means you won't be insecure anymore. Your identity will be in Jesus Christ. How? Hear the word of God's grace. Respond in a faith, in faith that bears fruit. And that security is ours. It's on offer to all of us. That's what good hearing does. So uh, that's kind of answering this question of how do you hear? I've just laid it out for us. But I want to press into that a little bit more with the same question. How do you hear? But this time I want to put the emphasis on the word you. How do you hear? I've just described it. I've just given us this typology that comes from this passage. But, But how about you? Run this diagnostic through your own life. Have you ever done one of those hearing tests? You know, you put on the the big goofy earphones and then um, there's this beeping noise either in the right ear or the left ear and you have to like raise your hand and you're alone in a room raising your hand and it's awkward, right? I want you to do that right now. You don't have to actually raise your hand, but I want you to go through the diagnostic of how are you hearing the word of God's grace. The first way to do this would be to answer this question, what is seen in your life? Good hearing is seen. What is seen in your life? Is the light of Christ visible? Are you bearing any fruit? These are the questions that we have to ask. What is seen in your life? Here at City Church, we have uh, an annual diagnostic. It's called our annual review process. Many of you probably do this at your workplaces too, right? And uh, uh, part of my annual review process, um, this year particularly, although I've heard this feedback before, is that I am not naturally an effusive encourager. Some of you who know me are probably nodding in agreement with that, right? So the question then becomes, what, what is going to be seen in my life? I've heard, well, what is seen. I was uh, sharing with Sarah, my wife, a little bit about this, and she asked me uh, the follow-up question. She was like, so what are you going to do about it? I didn't really have an answer, and that's a problem, right? Because we all know that if you, uh, if you hear feedback and you don't make a change, it's at best discouraging and at worst toxic. What is seen in your life? As you hear feedback, as you hear the truth 
from Jesus and from other people, does it translate to anything that is visible that you can point to, that others can point to and say, ah, I'm bearing fruit. That's the first diagnostic question. The second one is this, are you being searched? Right, good hearing is searching. Are you being searched? In the same way that fruit needs to be visible, so too the light of God's word needs to be like this spotlight that is shining into the parts of our lives that we want to keep hidden. What are the hidden places and things of your life that are being made manifest as you hear the word of truth? The conviction of the Holy Spirit comes through God's holy word and you open up your heart and say, yeah, got me. Help me. Heal me. This is hard, isn't it? Because everything inside of us and everything in our culture wants to keep it hidden. But the gospel of Jesus Christ brings exposure. That's what God's word of grace does for us. And friends, this is an iterative process. That means it happens again and again and again. It doesn't happen one time and you're good. Right? Truly hearing the word of God means that uh, the light continues to shine into the dark places of our life. And one of the primary ways that happens for all of us is right here, actually. It's worship. There's a lot of hearing that happens in worship, isn't there? We hear the word of God read. We hear it spoken by each other. We hear prayers. And for me, one of the most powerful things, and I felt it again today as we were singing those first three songs, of hearing you who are further back in the sanctuary singing full-throated songs reminding me of things that I need to hear and allowing those truths to search my heart, my conscience. Worship is a space for being searched. And so is friendship. So is marriage. Friendship and marriage are also these iterative processes again and again where we allow people to speak truth to us with grace And we believe that it will sweep the dark corners of our hearts and make things manifest. Do you have that space in your life, right? So my example of uh, annual review, right, where, where it gets really dark is, will I hear that word that has come from other people and from God? And will I not just say, well, I better make some changes, but will I allow that word to press to the deep parts of my heart? that say, you know why you resist being an effusive encourager? Because you want all the encouragement to be about you. Or because you grew up in a family where words like that weren't shared. And those scars and those wounds are deep. Right? It's this next level of allowing the truth to penetrate just a little bit deeper, to expose, to make manifest? Are you being searched? The third question then in our diagnostic on hearing would be, are you stewarding? And and really, here you can ask the question of, am I getting more and more of God's grace? Am I getting more and more responsibility from God? Because I have heard his word, I've been faithful with a little, and he's giving more to me. Here's why I think this is so important. Because for many of us, we hear that first word, God's grace, often it comes to us from another person, and we ignore it. And once we ignore it, we're we're set on a pattern 
we're set in a habit of continuing to ignore it. Right? Unless we hear the word and we, we desire for it to bear fruit in our lives, it's only going to get easier to ignore it the next time. I ignored it last time. I'll ignore it again. And we keep on moving down the line. And eventually our consciences have been seared. We are no longer soft to the word of God. This is why we must steward the word of grace when it comes to us. Respond to the conviction when it comes into your heart. That's the Holy Spirit bringing life and light to you. Steward it. Use it wisely. Use it faithfully. And God will give you more. And the final diagnostic question for us, you can anticipate what it is. If good hearing is securing, then the diagnostic question is simply, are you secure? Are you secure? Specifically, are you secure in Jesus Christ? Do you believe and do you live each day as though you are a daughter of the high King of heaven, a son of God? through Jesus Christ. Do you believe today, are you secure in the fact that you are part of Christ's family? That's the question. And I want you to think about it in these terms. I believe that insecurity often, not always, insecurity often is betrayed by noisiness. Right? People get really loud. Why? They're insecure and they're trying to distract you from that insecurity by making a big scene in some other way. Right? Or they'll be really loud about one area of their life so that you won't go peeking into another area of their life that they feel insecure about. The other part of this, why insecurity is often noisy, is uh, it, it, why it's important to point that out is that we can't hear if we're always yelling. And Jennifer Murphy made this point in our staff meeting this week. I think she was thinking about her children, right? Our children often can't hear one another because they're trying to yell louder than the others. But aren't our lives much the same way? Yelling about something, yelling about politics, yelling about sports, yelling about our successes. Why? So that we can drown out the word that God wants us to hear. This is where I think the final paragraph, this, this uh, little uh, event on the, the lake where Jesus uh, calms the wind and the wave, I think that that's how it connects. You know, it, uh, storms are really noisy. The storm that rolled through Richmond about 11 o'clock this morning, at least in my house, it was crazy, wasn't it? It was like apocalyptic. It got dark as night. There was lightning, there was thunder, there was this rain. It was noisy, and that's why kids get scared, sometimes adults too, when a storm rolls through. Imagine that situation. You're on a boat on a lake, and that kind of storm is rolling through, and it's loud, and the disciples get really loud. They're like, Jesus is over here on a cushion sleeping. Let's go wake him up, and so they're yelling and screaming. They get Jesus up, and then I think often as we read this story, because we live our lives in the midst of all this noise, we assume that Jesus is loud too. But we don't actually know that. You know, Pastor Joel preached on this uh, passage a couple of Sundays ago when we read the passage. He actually got loud when he spoke Jesus' rebuke. I don't know for sure. This is speculation. But I wonder if Jesus actually was quiet when he rebuked the wind and the wave. In the midst of all the noise... Jesus has all the authority that he doesn't need to compete with the noise. He can speak the word of truth that is heard by the winds and the waves and that is heard by us. 
My youngest daughter, Rainy, often would get kind of out of control, upset, throwing a tantrum. And my response to that was to yell louder and louder and louder. I would kind of meet her intensity with intensity of my own. But the only thing that worked to calm her down is if I spoke to her quietly. And I'm sure better parents out there or teachers out there know the the science behind how this works. But in the midst of all our noise, in order to hear, we need the security that comes from this patient, quiet voice. So my encouragement to you is to get quiet with God. Turn down the noise in your life so that you can hear his word spoken to you. My dad, uh, at this point in his life, wears hearing aids, and it doesn't help that much. I think we're going to have our own at-you, cashew moment any day now. But the thing he says about hearing aids is he says they work great when he's having a one-on-one conversation. The problem is when he's at a dinner party or he's in a big group of people, because the way hearing aids work is they turn up all the noise. And I think that we have the same problem in our spiritual lives. It's like we, we know we're struggling, and so we just turn up the hearing aids, and all the noise just gets louder. What we need instead, right, is we need to hear the right voice, the one voice. We need hearing aids for our hearts that are attenuated to the voice of Jesus Christ, so that we would hear that in the midst of the storms that are going on around us. Can we hear the soft, quiet, securing voice of Christ spoken to us? And and that's really where I want to leave you today, with this final pass through this question of how do we hear. Specifically, I want to add to that, I want you to ask the question, how do we hear, how do you hear Jesus? How do you hear his word? came across this quote. It's at the top of the worship guide this week. It's from a writer named Susan Sontag, and she said, we need to recover our sense of hearing, seeing, and feeling. And when I read that, I added to the end, for Jesus. Seeing, hearing, and feeling Jesus. How do we hear Jesus in our lives, in our crazy lives? It's kind of like me with Rainey, to get down on her level, And to say, look me in the eye, block out everything else in this moment. I want you to hear my words to you. I want you to to see my heart for you. I want you to feel my love for you. That's what we need. That's what Jesus is leading his disciples to through this passage. How do we learn to turn up that right voice? How can we be attenuated to the voice of God's grace? you guys seen the movie Coda? Gosh, I hope you have. Uh, we watched it several months ago, and Coda stands for Child of Deaf Adults. It's about a, a girl who's born into a deaf family, and all the normal struggles of any family are amplified by the fact that her parents are deaf, and, uh, deaf. and, and the biggest problem is that this girl loves to sing, and she's good at it. Her passion, her gifting is singing. And her parents can't 
here. But there's this, this powerful moment in the movie where she's auditioning for, uh, to get into, uh, I, I think, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. It's a prestigious uh, music school. She's nervous, of course. She wonders, should I even do this? Can I give my life to something that my parents can't even understand? And she's singing beautifully, right? Her parents went. They wanted to support her. They're, stand, they're, they're sitting there in the auditorium, but they can't hear a thing. So she begins signing the words that she's singing. And they can participate. They can understand. They can begin to hear. Not truly through their ears, but through their hearts. They can begin to hear what she's singing. And they can begin to hear her passion and her love. I think that what we have in the scriptures, and especially in, in uh, the gospels, and especially in chapters like Luke 7 through 9, are where God is doing that for us. We who, because of sin, and because of our brokenness, and because of our malformation, we cannot hear the truth of God's love. We cannot hear the truth of Jesus' grace. He begins signing it to us through his embodied incarnate son, Jesus, the works that he does, the teaching that he gives, all so that we would begin to hear this grace that we've missed. How do you hear Jesus? Draw close to his word and listen. Let it penetrate into your hearts. Let it move you and then let it become visible in your lives. What does it sound like? Well, it sounds like all of the Gospels. It sounds like all of the Bible, but let me just remind you of a few things that we've heard already from Luke chapter 7. Do you remember Jesus came to a widow who had lost her only son? And the word of Jesus sounds like him drawing near to her having compassion on her and saying, do not weep and raising her son to new life and giving him back to her. The word of Jesus, the word of Jesus' grace, it also sounds like the conversation that Jesus had with some very serious spiritual people, the Pharisees and the scribes, who were convinced that the only people who could get close to God were those who did all the right things. And there, God's word sounded like this. I am a friend to tax collectors and sinners. The word of Jesus' grace, a little later in Luke 7, sounds like Jesus' word to a prostitute, to a woman of the city who is known to be a sinner and who came to Jesus and loved him with the only way she knew how to love and it was scandalous and inappropriate. And we all think in that moment that surely Jesus will scold her and set her right. 
And he says, your sins are forgiven. That's the voice of Jesus. Do not weep. I'm a friend to sinners. Your sins are forgiven. Let's pray. Gracious God in heaven, I thank you for the truth and beauty of your word. I pray today that we would hear it, and not just hear it in our ears, but hear it with our hearts, and let it do its work in our hearts. Father, I thank you for the kindness of Jesus, and that because of his great love, we are not now, and we never will be overcome. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.